That's not Why? good. Pod episode 10. Today we're going to laugh about Peter's ineffectual attempts to trick Nebraska, and we also welcome Emily to the pod. I'm April, and I'm here with Melody and Stephanie. Let's get started. Hello. Hi. Hi April. I wish Hello. we were in person instead of on Zoom. Oh gosh, I know. I know. Um, did you see that there is a new graph in the city of Lincoln, and I checked the city of Omaha, and I didn't see it there, but um, we are now in the almost all the way farthest to the red zone you can be for risk you're going to get COVID in the town. Mm-hmm. So we're not getting together for a little while, folks. We're Stay just home. <laughs> I know. Um, yes. Stephanie, what's going on in your house? How have you been since we last spoke? Uh, I've been well. Mother's Day was fantastic. I got a grill, so that was really exciting. And mm. you got a grill for Mother's Day? Yeah. Nice. We're gonna transcend these barriers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't grill. It's just not in me. <laughs> what are you grilling? What are you grilling? I my child really likes cheddarwurst, so we had cheddarwurst and asparagus and potatoes on the grill last night. I love those. Yeah. Those are like the ones with like, it's like a hot dog, but it's full of like goo, like cheese mm-hmm. goo. It's a sausage with some cheese goo. <laughs> They're so gross <laughs> and I love them so much. I especially love them when they come from gas stations and they've been on those rollers all day. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I do. I can't help it. Uh, <laughs> April, how are you doing? What's going on? I'm all right. I also had a good Mother's Day. Even, uh, you two ladies were part of my surprise from my husband mm-hmm. saying nice oh, really? things about me. Cheer me up. <laughs> I don't keep me I, going. I have to be honest. I don't remember saying nice things about you. Can you? It's true. And what I, I just don't believe that... Stephanie would have said nice things about you. So can you just like jog <laughs> my memory of what, what might've happened? What you recall? I remember. I remember that you actually blow dried your hair for my video. <laughs> What? <laughs> Dang, I really do love you. It's mm-hmm. true. It's true. We all love you, April. Ah, uh, I don't know. I'm not. I think when I must have been having a rough day the day he came up with that idea because I'm not like generally suffering, but he must have been like, oh crud. <laughs> well, I it's am. So nice. I am such a flake. Your husband sent me like three emails. He was like, for real, send your video. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I'm, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> I did ask him. I was like, how much time did that take? And he's like, well, it wasn't too bad. Just a few people I had to follow up with. And I was like, well, me. people are really busy. That was me. I, no, it's not because I'm busy. It's because I'm not busy. And the lack of busyness is making me, when I have even one task, it feels like an elephant. Yes. If I was doing 20 other things, adding one task would be nothing. It's hard. Yes. Well, well, I, I know say- someone who's. What? Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's a great segue to our guest. I know someone who's taken on an enormous task. 
Oh, gosh. Well, before we get into that heavy business, I want to say I just got a cake from Poppy Fox Bakery. So if you live in Lincoln, I need to give a shout out to this little bakery. I think it's a one-woman shop, and she made the most beautiful cake for my birthday boy. It has this giant worm on the top made out of Rice Krispie treats. Like when she described it, I thought it would be out of fondant. No, she made it out of Rice Krispie treats. And it is amazing. And it was tasty. And the cake was strawberry with lemon buttercream. So like a strawberry lemonade kind of thing. Oh, my gosh. So I just want to give a shout out to Poppy Fox Bakery because she blew my mind with this cake. Um, She's also undercharging. I was... She could have charged me so much more for this cake. It was so beautiful and delicious and all the things. But you're right. We have to get down to business. We do have to laugh at Peter, uh, the governor of Nebraska, who's trying to kill us all. Emily, welcome, welcome. to the pod. Hello. Hi. Welcome, I'm so Emily. Here. Thank you for having me. How are you holding up in quarantine land? You know, things are good. Things are good. We are doing all the things, schooling and working and finding time in our day for the daily soap opera of watching Pete Ricketts. Oh God. <laughs> How did you become, so the reason we brought Emily onto the pod today is because she is doing this really awful task and she's doing it in tandem with another woman, but they watch the Pete Ricketts pressers every single day five days a week at least one of them usually both of them watch them uh, and take notes so we can keep track of kind of what's going on at the seeing red headquarters which is at your mom's house <laughs> but and what a great service emily <laughs> i gotta tell you it has been there have been better services i have provided but, but this <laughs> your mom told me that too. <laughs> I'm sure she did. You know, here's the thing is that at this point, <clears throat> point, this is appointment viewing at our house. So it the best way I can describe it is a soap opera. If you picked up and started watching the pressers tomorrow, you wouldn't pick up on all the undertones, all the secrets that are hiding beneath the words that are said, right? And you would, it would not make a lot of sense because you'd be missing context. But after two weeks, it's appointment viewing and you don't want to miss an episode. Nothing happens every day except that something monumental happens almost every day. But like hidden. Hidden. Like subtext, right? Because yeah. there may be one day he appears to be making a lot of sense and spelling out a very valid reason for something. And then the very next day, he spells out a completely contradictory reason for the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. That's not the narrative I'm getting from the local paper. So I try to read the Journal Star and the Omaha World Herald. Um, sometimes, you know, some of the more rural papers like the Star, um, is it the Star Herald, the Hub. You know, there's a couple other ones that pop in, yeah. but that's not the narration that I'm getting. So what, what do you think you're getting that is different than what the rest of us are getting in the local paper? Well, so, you know, as you watch through the local paper, everything they're reporting is certainly factual, right? Everything they're reporting happened in that press conference. 
So whatever question they're choosing to report on that day or whatever um, main idea that, that Ricketts has brought forward, they are reporting that. What they're missing and what they're not asking is what's happening beneath. So for example, I know Seeing Red was the one of the first to call out the governor on his uh, dog whistles, his racist dog whistles about how folks in meatpacking, it's really a community problem not a meatpacking problem that so many folks have COVID. Of course, we know that COVID-19 is breaking out in meatpacking plants across the country, and it has everything to do with how folks are working shoulder to shoulder without social distancing, in grueling environments without airflow and without breaks and without all the things they need and without PPE. But he's saying it's not meatpacking. It's actually their home life which is of course completely racist to say that mm-hmm. but then today- and it's nonsense like it's nonsense because nothing's open where would they go where are they supposed to be going and spreading around covid in the community everyone is afraid to leave their house and even if they're not afraid to leave their house there's nothing open the playgrounds are you know shut down the swings have been removed like there's nowhere to be well, he was sure that they were not understanding what it means to socially distance because English is not their first language. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll say that's in direct contrast with Pat Lopez in Lincoln, because I've also been watching most of the Lincoln Lancaster County press conferences. And she has said very clearly and very explicitly that there is no language barrier to the understanding of social distancing, that they're not encountering that at all in Lincoln. And Lincoln's a community where we speak more than 100 languages. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing is, I have lived in another country. And so I, I know when you live in another country and you do not, your native language is not the language of the country you live in, you may prefer to read the news in your local language. That's normal. That's what everyone likes to do. But Corona is a international health crisis. And so it actually doesn't matter what language you're getting, your social media, your formal media, your soap operas, your commercials. Like it doesn't matter because everybody in the world is talking about COVID-19 and they're all saying the same thing about social distancing and hand washing and all that. Correct. So there's no way they're not encountering this information, even if the plants were negligent and not posting information and stuff like that. They had to have some idea. Yes. And I saw something interesting that in highly concentrated Hispanic communities, for one, that are not associated with meatpacking, the transmission rate is very low. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it is not their outside life. It is, in fact, working in a meatpacking plant. And what's interesting is that even the governor, which is why you have to watch every day, today acknowledged that fact because a reporter asked today why has douglas county who had was an early spiker right in in nebraska they were early spiker before the meatpacking plants they were high and then they started to kind of level off and decline in the last week they are now up on top again as one of the top counties actually the top county as of this morning for number of cases of COVID-19. So a reporter said, hey, you relaxed the DHMs, the directed health measures in Douglas County on May 4th. So that's one week ago. And what we know is that um, it takes, you know, a couple, three days 
to be tested and then another 48 hours for those tests to come back. What do you attribute that spike to? And his response today in the press conference was, well, it has nothing to do with the DHMs. It has everything to do with meatpacking. In fact, 36% of the cases in Douglas County are related to food processing and directed all comments to Dr. Adi Poor at their health department. Oh, so it has nothing to do with their workplace, but apparently has everything to do with their workplace. Got it. I see. So that's what you're saying about the contradictions. Yes. Well, one of the things you were saying before we started recording is you were talking about this idea about people lying where they work and people who can be trusted. And that has been a reoccurring theme at the press conferences. Can you talk a little bit about that? For sure. So you might have seen in either local media or even in national media, this has become kind of a big thing in in the national media circuit. And many of our state senators have made tours of duty on Rachel Maddow, who's particularly gotten involved in this. But the governor saying real clearly the state will not report on specific numbers for specific food processing plants. That in fact, what the state will do is say X number of people statewide associated with meatpacking have contracted COVID-19. The same with nursing homes and the same with other things. He's not willing to say where are the outbreaks, which of course is silly because how do you know where to put testing resources? How do you know where to put uh, ventilator resources? All those other resources, how would you even know where to put them if you don't do that? And so some of the state senators have said, we have to know that or we can't put all of the resources where they need to go. And what he said is, nope, you cannot do that. In fact, the state will only say aggregate numbers. And the reason is, is because people are lying to him about where they work. Mm-hmm. So and saying what? And so they may are say, there, I work at this there, in Crete, but I don't. Are there other industries that people lie? Uh, so far, he's not indicated that, in fact, any healthcare professionals are lying about where they work. Um, he's not said teachers are lying about where they work. But, the, of course, the major outbreaks are, are in those meatpacking facilities, and he's saying mm-hmm. that, in fact, they are lying about where they work. But then... Almost immediately after that, he does his plug for Test Nebraska, which, of course, you guys have already talked about on the pod extensively, but um, he does his plug for Test Nebraska, and he says that they've now turned on a feature on Test Nebraska where you can be prioritized for testing if you self-report that you work in food processing. Wait, but what? But people lie. So how can that work? I don't know. I guess they don't lie to get tested, but they do lie after they've been tested. I, I don't, I, that would be dumb. That would be dumb. <laughs> oh my God. I like I said earlier, I think I might lie to get a test, maybe, but then afterwards I'd be like, ha just kidding. You tested me. <laughs> right. and, and of course people don't want to lie about where they work. They want the health department to know where they work so they can find other people they've been in contact with so that they can protect the people who are close to them right. from getting this virus, right? They, they're not going to tell you what they would not tell you. They work somewhere. They do not. If you, if I contract COVID-19 tomorrow, I will say everyone that I've had contact with because that will help the state track the virus and stop other people from getting sick. Yep. Stephanie, I have a question for you. You work in an industry where people telling you where they work is standard practice. Mm -hmm. 
how many times have you caught them lying? Um, I mean, never. (laughs) (laughs) But like, are you like, are you just, is it just because you're like so trustworthy? Like, aren't, don't you think like people are just like lying all the time to like change pricing or? I don't know. I mean, a lot of them use their work email address. (laughs) Okay. So. And would you uh, say, like, do you have, like, a broad base of, like, pe- types of people, like, income levels, I, demographics? Like, yeah, I have a very diverse population of people that I work with. And, like, don't, like, some of them, like, regularly lie? Like, you could kind of pinpoint a type of person that usually lies? I mean, at the end, if they maybe were dishonest with me about a couple of details, I, you know, I have ways of figuring that out. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So like, so lying about your work, it, I mean, you wouldn't really actually get, that wouldn't, people don't do it and you'd be caught yeah. and then you, the numbers would be so minimal. Yeah, yeah. I, I it wouldn't be like, Hey, there's 50 people that are lying right now in this situation, just to be totally frank with Right. Them. I don't either. I think well, that, that Peter doesn't want Peter, Peter wants to try to control the situation that he can't. Um, obviously, or we would have some different statistics going on in our state. Um, and he wants, he wants to open up the economy because that's good for his pocketbook. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's what he's doing right now. Right. And if you figure out what's good for Peter's motivation, one of the things that he continues to say is that it's a business decision, whether someone wants to release that, they have had an outbreak in their facility because he wants to protect the reputation of the businesses in Nebraska. So one of the things I learned, I did a little research into what happens when a county health department say has to verify where you work at places like meatpacking facilities, they often use a third party service and that third party service, they provide their HR records there. And so you need to call the third party service. You have to pay some fixed dollar amount, 35 bucks or 25 bucks or 50 bucks, whatever it is. And then you give them the social security number and the name or whatever. And then they say yes or no, somebody works there. But then he's asking the health departments to do a second step, which is not only verify that they work there, but ask the permission of the food processor to release that there's been an outbreak because he wants to protect the reputation of the food processor. And really that tells you where his brain is in terms of what is important in this public health crisis is not finding individuals who have a sickness and stopping it, but protecting the reputation of the business. I mean, here's the thing. Let's say you are a cold hearted, cold blooded reptilian bastard like Pete Ricketts. Let's just say you are, and let's say you don't care if people live or die. Let's say that's true. But doesn't he also allegedly believe in the free market? And like, if people don't want to eat disgusting COVID Smithfield meats, right? Like if people find out like, oh God, like they were terrible to their workers and we don't want to eat their meats anymore. Wouldn't then that just open space for a new place to come in and say like, oh, we're going to become a meat product processing plant because the government shouldn't be involved. I mean, isn't that his whole thing? Like cut regulation, get government in out, out of the community, 
keep it as deep into the uterus of every um, uterus in the state. So like get government out of everywhere, but the uterus, like, isn't that his whole thing? That just doesn't make sense. So like, we know that there are national headlines all around the country. ProPublica is ORRing our records in Nebraska. We've got uh, Rachel Maddow. We've got all these different national reporters are really looking at Nebraska right now and saying Nebraska is doing a bad job. What is the governor saying about that? So one of the things that has made national headlines is the, is the test Nebraska, Utah tech bro people with absolutely no experience in the healthcare industry coming in and doing this testing. And he was specifically asked about them today and asked about a couple of the state senators, specifically Megan Hunt, who uh, is really doing amazing work in terms of thinking about how she's ORRing these, the contracts. She wants to understand how it happened because, you know, was, remember it was no bid contract. It was put out. And in fact, today he said something really interesting, which was this was the deal they brought us. So it was the deal we took as though. <laughs> Test Nebraska. He's a hell of a businessman. Salesman, right? Coming to your door, making sure your spouse is on board with whatever the deal is that they're giving you. Um, so he he confirmed there was no bid. He confirmed that they did not negotiate. But when asked about what are his thoughts on the state senators questioning it, what he said was, "I think those senators must not want extra testing in Nebraska. That's not what they want." I wish you could hear me rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> it was bad. It was one of the most outrageous things he said yet, frankly. So Megan Hunt, uh, she's a senator from Omaha. I think like uh, Midtown, Dundee, not Midtown, Dundee, yeah, yeah. Benson, like that kind of area of Omaha. Anyway, she was talking about Test Nebraska today and she had a really great tweet where she said, what he did with Test Nebraska was a failure of imagination. We sold Nebraskan short from Ebola to SARS to COVID-19. The federal government looks to UNMC in Omaha for guidance, but for Nebraska's testing strategy, we look to a private company in Utah. And if the legislature doesn't understand what the governor's trying to do, what the people of Nebraska need to understand is that is his fucking job. Mm-hmm. It's his job to explain it to the legislature. They are a check on his executive power. It is a problem if significant parts of the legislature don't understand what the executive is doing in the state government. It's a problem. And to that end, Megan Hunt's office ORR'd the governor, open records request, and um, has started to go through them, says there's already some alarming things, and the first thing she did was copy them and send them to the press, so... Hopefully we'll find out soon. What yeah, wait, can we get a copy thing. of those? Pretty hefty. We need to email her office. Megan Hunt, send us, send us those <laughs> ORRs. We have people who will read them. But also, why does a member of the legislative branch of government who That's is supposed to be a co-equal <laughs> branch of government in order to get copies of the contracts signed by Tess Nebraska, why does she have to file a Freedom of Information Act request in order to receive those. If everything is on the up and up, then why is the executive branch not sharing their information with the legislative branch? That's exactly if there's right. absolutely nothing to hide. That's exactly right. That's a very good question. He said was the senators 
don't understand all that goes into something like testing. They don't understand. Can you walk me through the the, the population that the governor, uh, whose lives he act, he literally is in charge of, people who are incarcerated right now? How's testing going there? Anybody well, know so what what testing? Well, now, in fairness, yeah. he's tested three incarcerated persons. Mm. Three have wow. been tested. Out of how many? Lots. Apparently, zero have exhibited any symptoms of COVID-19. Now, Except that one rich guy that they let out because it was dangerous. It's dangerous in prison, so they let out the rich the white bank guy. guy. The tier one bank guy. But also... This is one of your contradictions, Emily, that you were talking about. And I, I'm now seeing it now that you've been talking about this. At the very beginning, he said there are no, he said like there are no good people in prison. Everybody's there for a reason. So nobody what gets to come out. He did he must not have known there was a rich white guy in there. Right, because that. the ACLU, because somebody asked, because the ACLU had filed suit and independent of COVID-19. July 1st was an important deadline for the state of Nebraska because the state of Nebraska, Nebraska Department of Corrections is grossly, grossly overpopulated. Right. And so July 1st was a key deadline where mm-hmm. we needed to get to 140% of capacity. So that Jeez. tells you, I do not, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me of where we're at now, but the July 1st deadline said the requirement was to get to 140% of capacity within the Department of Corrections, which last to get checked, down to that, down to that, <laughs> right? That was the, that was the goal and the deadlines. So that was July 1st. Then COVID happens. And so what the ACLU has said and what many other groups are saying is, look, you've got folks that are already within six months of parole that are already nonviolent offenders that are going to be released in six months anyway. Can you come up with a disruption, right? The rest of us have disrupted our entire lives. We figured out how to work from home, be from home, do all these things. Mm -hmm. Do we have a house arrest system? Do we have a parole system that can accommodate nonviolent offenders who've typically had very good behavior during their time in incarceration, can we release them early? He has called um, anyone who's requested that a fringe group with a fringe agenda because he said, we don't have anybody who meets that definition. We don't have anybody. And that was one of his very first press conferences. We don't have anybody who meets that definition. And then here last week, the tier one guy who embezzled God knows how much money, right? And all the problems, it's the headline in the paper is old rich white guy released from prison because scared of COVID. So I guess we have at least one. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. What a strange coincidence that he's rich and white guy. The only guy we let out. Right. The guy's old, the guy's old and he's a nonviolent offender and he can serve out the rest of his sentence at home with an ankle cuff or whatever the thing is. But there's probably like 3,700, I don't know how many, you know, petty pot dealers who don't look like that guy, who are going to be out on August 1st and could just as easily be out today with Mm -hmm. an ankle cuff to lower the population to prevent people from getting the disease. Now, we know for a fact that five, at least five corrections employees have tested positive for COVID-19. We also know that last week he said no one in the in the corrections department is wearing N95 masks 
the medical grade PPE. No one incarcerated is wearing those and none of the staff are. And Mm -hmm. last week, what he said was the reason they're not wearing them is because they're too heavy for them to work in and do their job all day. Now, I'd like to see him say that to a nurse Mm -hmm. actually wearing them because I think that is really, first of all, it's tacky. But really, fine, that's why. He said they're not wearing them. They don't want to wear them. Then the Omaha World Herald reports today from the attorney in charge of the union for the security officers in corrections that says we've been begging for N95 masks. So they don't want to wear them because they're too heavy. They can't do their job. They're begging for masks. So today he's asked about that. And his response is, we've been following the CDC guidelines that say cloth masks are acceptable in prison. Now, I don't, I haven't had time to look at the CDC guidelines to know if that's true or not, but that's certainly different from they don't want them to they're begging for them to the CDC says no. I actually looked it up on the CDC's website and there is, it looks like it's like, there's very complicated guidelines and it goes over multiple pages. So I did not read it very closely, but it is, clear as day that at least in some situations and in some moments they are absolutely recommending N95 masks for prison workers absolutely that is true I don't know you know what the specific details are I haven't got dug through all that but uh, certainly the union can look to CDC and uh, I'm sure they have so Emily are there you've been watching these press conferences for darn near two months now Do you have any like big themes that are your takeaways? And to the regular media that is reporting, you know, day in, day out, you know, this is really essential work that they're doing, being a watchdog of the government. They're actually being paid to do that job, except when they have to be furloughed to pay stakeholders. Chris Dunker, please stop being furloughed. We need you to stay writing. Um, (laughs) I need... (laughs) what. What what would your advice be to the media and what are some like big takeaways that you've gained in this two months? So every day I look for the three P's, which is packing, prisons, and prejudice. Every single day there is a headline, there is a takeaway with regard to our packing facilities, with regard to the prisons, and with regard to his consistent racist dog whistling. Um, And each of those, the underlying theme in all those really is his consistent pitting of the businesses of this state against the people of this state. Mm -hmm. And it's consistent economic warfare that he's creating. He's creating a class warfare. And it is it's really sad because, of course, it's all the folks who we never thought of, you know, like, I don't think anybody who works at a grocery store wants to be called a hero. I don't think anyone who makes $2.37 an hour, which is abysmal as a server, wants to be called a hero. But those are the folks who are driving all of the dollars into businesses in this state. And the rest of us, I mean, I look across this call And nobody is going, nobody on this podcast today is going to the office to be in contact with people every day without protection. And what we're asking our low-paid 
maybe lesser skilled jobs to do. And some of them are highly skilled, but they're still on the front lines like nurses and obviously healthcare workers. And, and I feel like those, those folks have at least known that they were signing up for something that they could be infected, right? But I don't think that the average server at Olive Garden, for example, knows that when they go get that job as a 16-year-old or 17-year-old, they're signing up to put their life on the line. But in fact, they are, and they're doing it in service of money for big corporations. That's really well said. And these are service industry folks. They're being pulled off of unemployment right now for diminished hours, and they're going to be making less money, which just makes them even more vulnerable, in my opinion. Absolutely, Um, because as the businesses open, I mean, the difference between, say, Nebraska and Pete Ricketts saying, which he said several times, being scared to go to work is not an excuse for not showing up. You know what the governor of Pennsylvania said today? He said, if your county reopens prematurely and you don't feel comfortable returning to work, rest assured that Pennsylvania will allow you to continue to receive unemployment compensation, even if your employer reopens. Can you imagine living in a place where your governor didn't want to actively put you in harm's way? No. It's amazing. It's amazing that other states get to have leadership that cares about people. It's amazing. And and when I think about this, I promise there's a rant a friend and I talked about today, and I promised I would share it on the pod today. But um, his whole reopening, the governor's whole reopening against the wishes of the medical community, against the CDC reopening guidelines. It's so frustrating because his whole tact is, well, we're empowering Nebraskans to do the right thing while we're watching Nebraskans not do the right thing. It's so frustrating. It's also, you know, it's so unfair because it implies that as long as the governor is telling us every day and smiling and saying, you should be distancing and hand washing and not gathering, and then A, it doesn't really matter if we don't, and or B, it's our own fault if we get sick, which sucks when some of us are trying to do the right things, but others don't. And he just smiles and pretends that people will do it if he says so. Yeah. And so then that relieves him of the responsibility. You know, it relieves him of stay-at-home orders and any responsibility for opening too soon and not enough tests and state resources and rising cases and just the general pretense that things are getting better. Mm-hmm. And in fact, mm-hmm. he's a pro at distancing himself from any responsibility. So for weeks, mm-hmm. he has been saying, if your employer is not following rules, whatever those rules are, so the 10 people in a building, six foot social distancing, um, if your employer hasn't provided you with proper safety equipment or hand sanitizer, your recourse is to talk to your manager. Well, any, that works. any employer who's currently putting their folks at risk is probably not receptive to the people that they're exploiting mentioning that, right? So right. that's your first line of defense. If you are a member of the public and you see a business not following the county DHMs, you are to speak to the mayor. That's what he said. Go talk to the mayor of the town. That's who should do it. So today when asked... What should you do if you notice that the meatpacking plants are not following appropriate rules? His response was, OSHA is in charge of that, which is the federal government. The USDA is in charge of that, which is the federal government. 
And so you should definitely check with the feds because it's the state's job to ensure that the packers remain open and it's the feds job to regulate them. So you should talk to the manager, you should talk to the mayor, and then you should <laughs> skip a level and go to but you should never, never, never talk to the governor whose only job is to keep businesses and their reputations intact. Well, sounds like we don't need a governor. You know no, what? If that, if that makes you mad, anybody listening, there is a way to fight back. And I, this is something I'm segueing, but we need to talk about our Patreon account. Secret <laughs> just got a Patreon account. We don't have any patrons yet. We're releasing it the day that this pod drops. So uh, hopefully you will be an early adopter. And I will say for all early adopters, we will give you a $20 perk and a $10 perk, even if you're a $5 patron, if you're one of the first 10 patrons. I'm just going to throw that out there on the pod. I'm going to make that. Tell us us what those things are, Melody. Okay. If you are a $5 a month patron to Seeing Red, you get the satisfaction of knowing you're helping Pete Ricketts have a miserable day. Seeing Red is who broke the story about how much money was given to the governor and to Trump and to the GOP from the owner of Nebraska Crossing. That was Seeing Red. Um, you know, we do a lot of work like that. And Dr. You make sure he's having a bad purchase day. of his job. Right. Always be making sure Pete Ricketts is having a bad day. Get a shout out on the pod. We want to say your name. We want to say your name. If you are a $10 a month patron, you get the joy and elation at knowing you are helping break apart the GOP's death grip on Nebraska. Ooh. Yeah, that's really, <laughs> that's a good benefit. But you also get an exclusive Seeing Red Nebraska sticker that all your friends are going to have on their water bottles. And as soon as you start seeing your friends again, <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, uh, you're going to want that sticker. And as we design new stickers, we'll just send those out to the $10 level patrons. So um, you're going to want to get our launch sticker. It is as cutting edge as all the Seeing Red content. Mm-hmm. And then for VIP, $20 a month, bragging rights to all your friends because your name is going to be on our Seeing Red Nebraska website. Our glorified blog will have your name. It will be, <laughs> it'll be glorious. Uh, you also, here's the thing that you really want. Um, you want, you will get a fuck you Friday towards the Ricketts loving politician of your choice on seeing red social media channels. If you're not, what? I know I couldn't believe the editorial team decided to give that away to $20 patrons, but like, (laughs) that is good. That was our most blog for like at least two months. And I haven't gotten a fuck you Friday. Yeah. yeah, see? And Emily's <laughs> actually like, she writes, she goes on the pod. Who was the most recent per- recipient of the Fuck You Friday? They're, they're our most popular feature on social media, and people love that feature. I think they just like using naughty words because a bunch of hooligans listen to Seeing Red, you know, so what can you do? Be a hooligan. <laughs> be a patriot. Be patriot. a hooligan. Be a patriot. So That's we're at funny. Seeing Red Nebraska on Patreon, and the first 10 patrons will get all level we will send you the sticker and you'll get your fuck you friday shout out and we'll put you on the website as an early patron um oh stephanie i can answer your question let's hear it the most recent fuck you friday was to dr antone 
who purchased his position as Ricketts Chief Medical Officer and Director of Public Health for just fifteen thousand dollars. What does he do um, now? Well, that so he, the reason he's a doctor, we right? Bariatric surgeon. Okay. Yeah. And in some states like neighboring Iowa, the his counterpart, the director of public health, is actually protecting public health oh. by requiring the release of COVID positive rates at meatpacking plants. In Iowa? But, you know, ours is yeah. But ours is more loyal to the governor than to the people or to health. So Well, and if you remember when Trish came on, she came on an episode and talked about that you don't necessarily want a doctor at the head of your public health team. Because unless they have a public health background, because doctors are traditionally focused on one patient Mm -hmm. and we fix one body at a time and public health experts are not focused on the individual. They are focused on the collective and it's a different way to look at what the problems are and how to solve the problems um, at a collective level. So that was something Trish explained to us. She also explained you cannot become a public health expert by reading a lot of Facebook articles which what? I found disappointing and in direct contradiction to what a lot of men tell me on the internet. Oh, <laughs> like that guy you went to high school with who barely graduated, but he's posting all the time. Oh, about that pandemic. guy all the time. <laughs> Everybody has that guy in their life. My God. I'm related. Okay. To them. All right. We have to all go to bed. It's getting late. Emily, what are you reading? What are you going to be reading before bed? What are you reading when you're laying in your hammock, drinking your mimosas? I wish. No, I just finished uh, really two books. So I finished two really good books, one nonfiction and one fiction. So my fiction book that I can not recommend enough is called The Girl with the Louding Voice um, Mm. by Abi Dare. And it is about a girl from Nigeria who was really just looking for her voice. She's looking to find her voice and she grows up in rural Nigeria and she's a child bride and she escapes and, and how her life kind of unfolds. Um, And then the nonfiction book I'm reading um, that I just finished is called stamped from the beginning and it's by Ibram X. Kendi. And it was very interesting. I learned a lot about racism in America, but my favorite fact from that whole book was that inoculation came from Africa and it was slaves who taught the white doctors how to inoculate for smallpox because the slaves were not getting smallpox and we learned why. And who knew? Hmm. Wow. I didn't know that. So me neither. I'm going to add that to my list. I bet Pete doesn't know that. No, I'm sure. Pete doesn't know that. <sighs> All right. Well, <laughs> Everyone listening, we hope you become one of our patrons, but just know, even if you don't become one of our patrons, we love you. Your worth is not determined by your economic output. Mm-hmm. I want to make that very clear. But if you do have any money, we really could use some because there are some very real costs to running all the things at Seeing Red. And we really would love your help if you can help. All right. Well, thanks everybody for coming on. All right. Bye. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to Seeing Red Nebraska, Politics from the Left. Seeing Red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to Nebraska politics. Be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne, on Facebook at seeingrednebraska, or contact us via email at seeingredne at protonmail.com. You can find this pod on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and Stitcher. 